morning, church. It is great to be at Downers Grove. This is a beautiful church, beautiful people. We are delighted to be here. My wife could not be here with us today, but uh, uh, um, we're happy to, to be here and thankful to Afif Leonor for the invitation uh, to share the word with you this morning. Uh, in uh, Michigan right now, we have a very bad winter storm, so uh, I can't believe that just a few hours down that way, they have a tremendous winter storm, and then here, sunny and beautiful, it's cold, but I'd rather take this than the winter storm, uh, than uh, a few feet of snow, so it's just so great to be with you here today. And uh, as we start once again, I'm going to invite you to please bow your heads and Please pray with me. Precious Lord, as we open your word once again, and as we uh, seek your counsel and your presence, once again, we pray you come and visit us. Today, I pray that you forgive my sins. I pray that you use me not as your voice, but as your mouthpiece. I want to be the flashlight because you are the light. So help us, Lord, to listen to your voice, be attentive to your counsel, to your, uh, to your words in a very special way. Bless every young person, every youth, each one of us, to be able to open our hearts and minds to your message today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today, we are going to speak about uh, one individual that we hardly speak about, we have heard about Caleb, but we are going to speak about uh, Joshua and Caleb. Now, uh, more Caleb than, than Joshua today, because usually we uh, speak about Joshua a lot, but we leave Caleb in the background, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about him. These two individuals single-handedly saved a generation. Now, listen uh, closely you remember, going back, that the f a full generation of Israelites had to stay and die, the adults, if you please, the older folk had to stay and die in the desert because of their what? Their rebellion, remember? And then the younger generation were there, but were not for two men, two young adults, Joshua and Caleb, that said, no, hey, we can do this. Come on, let's be faithful to God the younger generation would have died in the desert as well. Now, my dear friends, I want to tell you, I uh, uh, teach at Andrews a few courses on evangelism and youth, and we are dismayed by some um, surveys that we have done in terms of youth desertion among the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we have, we know that from 60 to 70% of our young people are living... 60 to 70% of the young people leave the church between, the, between that precious window when they finish high school and, uh, and uh, they go to college the first two years. 60 to 70% of the people. And recently I read an article that said that unless we do something, unless we as a church, unless we as a body, unless we as individuals do something, we're going to lose this generation. Now, remember, let's make the connection. Joshua 
and Caleb, only two individuals. They were able, by God's grace and by his mercy and by his power, they were able to save a full generation. So it only takes one person. It only takes a little flame to light a fire. It only takes one person to start a revival. Famous evangelist Dwight Moody accepted the Lord at the young age of 19. He had heard an evangelist by the name of Henry Varley say, the world has yet to see what God can do in and through and with and for a man or a woman wholly committed to him. So, in the congregation, it was Dwight Moody <coughs> and said, this, is, this was his, his answer, by the grace of God, I will be that man. I will be the person wholly committed to him. I will be that man, 19 years old. And at that time, he was an untrained, unexperienced shoemaker and shoe salesman. And he says, I don't care. I don't have the education. But I pray that the Lord will educate me. And sure enough, Dwight Moody, by the way, you guys have Moody Institute here named after him in Chicago. He was able to impact two continents for Christ, Europe and America. And thousands of souls were won because of the committed work of one person. So the Lord is not calling thousands of persons. The Lord is calling you, and the Lord is calling me. The Lord is not waiting for uh, uh, another 20 Mark Finleys or, or Billy Grahams to, to resurrect or to come. The Lord is waiting on you, and the Lord is waiting on me. And he, if he was able to use Dwight Moody, an uneducated individual, he can use me, and he can use you as well. It was Charles Spurgeon, wonderful preacher. One said, give me 10 people who love God and only God and hate only sin, and I will change the world. 10 people. He didn't say 1,000. He didn't say 10,000. He said, just give me 10 people that are holy, consecrated to him, and I will change the world. And my dear friends, this is what the church is all about. This is what the Adventist movement is all about. This is what the Downers Grove Church is all about, should be all about. So we're being challenged today to impact this community. I was very impressed and very happy when I heard a fifth this morning saying, folks, let's unite and let's go and impact the community. And I said, praise the Lord. This is what we want to hear more. We want churches to go out as opposed to expecting the people to come here it will be great both ways but go out and impact the community show that we care show that we love show them that we care and we want to just be friends no strings attached that's the way it should be that's the way it should be so there were 12 people you remember 12 spies who were given a mission kids Young adults, and all of us remember the story. They were given the mission to go as spies. My kids enjoy this story because it has to do with spies. Everything that has to do with spies and, and mystery and danger, my kids are all for it. And they were able to go. Now get this. The 12 spies finally go. They get there to Canaan. You know the story very well. I'm going to uh, fly pretty quickly. But when they were there, they reached a place that is called Hebron and is full of giants. 
And Ellen G. White says that these folk there, they had three things. You know, they reached their huge mountain. Of course, they passed by the valleys and so on, beautiful places. But they reached Hebron, where the Anakites were. There were three things. Number one, she says, and I'll read you the quote in just a second. They, it says, they had fortresses. Number two, they had giants. And number three, they had chariots of iron. Three things. Now, at that time, when the only thing you could have on me, you could, we could have is a sword, that is an impossible place to conquer. For Israelites coming from the desert, impossible. But being there at the foot of the mountain, knowing that the mountain was infested by giants like Goliath, you know what Caleb said? And that's why we're going to concentrate today's message and story on Caleb. You know what Caleb said? I mean, Caleb could have said, by that time, by the way, Caleb was not a teenager. Uh, Caleb was 85 years old. And he could have said, Lord, it's time for me to retire. And you know what? And if he would have said that, that was okay. He had fought. He had been in the desert for, for, for 80 years, 40 and 40 afterwards. Uh, so retire. But he didn't say that. He said, Lord, please, when we do come back, because we are still in the, in the spying time that we're spying. When we do come back, not if we come back, but when we come back, please, Lord, give me this mountain. Now, hold on. Give me a break. You are asking for the most dangerous place in all Canaan. Hands down, the most dangerous place. Hey, he could have asked for a tent by the Jordan River or by Eilat or whatever. But Hebron, full of giants. And I have asked my question many, many times. Why did he ask for this? Why did he want it? Why did he want to do this? So I'll get back to that in just a second. And I'm going to answer uh, why did he want to... to uh, uh, to take on this mountain. But first of all, I want to say that from, uh, jo uh, from Joshua and Caleb, but especially Caleb, we draw five principles. Five principles on how to conquer the mountain. Five principles on how to conquer your challenges. Five principles on how to conquer the giant. Five principles on how to go out and, and, and take on the community for Christ. Five principles on how to say, Lord, Downers Grove is for Christ. My neighbors are for Christ. I want to do something different, special in my community. Uh, five principles. Easy. Down to earth. Uh, nothing complicated. Five. Number one. Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. If you have your Bible, if you have your iPad, if you have your iPhone, whatever Bible version you have, please come with me to Joshua. Chapter 14, and we're going to go between Joshua and a few other texts, but if you come with me, Joshua chapter 14, verse 12, we're going to start to unpack some secrets, some keys that Caleb used in order to conquer the mountain. And that those are the same things that we can use today to conquer any difficulty, any challenge, any problem we have today. Joshua chapter 14, verse 12 says, this is Caleb speaking, now... Caleb's talking to God. Now give me this mountain that, that the Lord promised me that day. I'm sorry. At this moment, he's speaking to, to Joshua. Uh, that the Lord promised me that day. 
you yourself heard then that who the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. So please give me that mountain. It's a mystery. How come he did not choose some place easy? He wanted the most difficult part of the land. When, other one is, when others wanted the valley, he wanted the mountains. When others wanted to rest and retire, he wanted to fight and conquer. When others saw defeat, <coughs> he saw possibilities. When others were paralyzed, he saw God in action. Let's suppose for a second that we were going to do a big evangelistic meeting in Chicago, and we divide these wonderful congregation into different sectors and we said hey what do you want to do and do some outreach and you can do outreach in your home near your home in your community or you can go to inner city the the, the worst part of Chicago where even policemen are afraid to go there where would you go I'll tell you where I go I think I'll say I'll stay, I'll stay at, around my neighborhood you know it's safe it's cute it's beautiful Nobody may, not a lot of people may listen to me, but I'm safe. That's what I would do. I don't know about you. But Caleb would have chosen to go inner city where they're shooting people. I'm not asking you to go there. I'm just saying what he would do. And he did. He chose to go to the giants. Caleb feared no foe and desired no rest. At age 85, this man had the right to sit down and Take it easy the rest of his life. Take off his army boots and put on his slippers. <coughs> Excuse me, but he didn't. He went to a diff difficult place. Ellen G. White, book uh, Education, uh, page 149 says, Hebron was full of giants, walled cities, and chariots of fire. So humanly speaking, that was difficult. For an Israelite to conquer that, it was impossible. It's amazing that some of us want the easiest way around. I have some students there at the, uh, at the seminary that says, uh, Doc, please uh, give me the easiest classes. Take me out of here as quick as possible. Just make sure that I feel the least pain possible. And I tell them, well... Uh, do you want to learn, or you just want a carton that says MDiv? Do you want to really make a difference? But some of us, we want uh, uh, the easiest, quickest way possible. We live in a fast food, give me something quick society. Give me a quick church service. Some would say, uh, get me out of here quick each Sabbath. Don't assign me any duties in the church or soul winning. Just, just allow me to be myself. Uh, give me some peace. But God is not into blessing laziness. God is not into blessing fear. Fear and capitulation are not in, in his dictionary. God would not bless evasive, pass-the-buck, non-committal kind of spirit. If you or I get cold at the first sign of hard work, we better rethink our position as Christians and as church members. So Caleb went to conquer. 
and he did. He conquered the land of Hebron and drove away. Thank you. And drove. I had my one there and I forgot to bring it. He went to conquer and he did. He conquered the land of Hebron. He drove away the giants in the power of the Lord. Let's see there. Joshua 14. Yeah, I hope your Bible is still open there. Joshua 13, 14. It says, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, the Kenesite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord of Israel. So principle number one, uh, Caleb asked for the mountain. Number one, Caleb asked for it. Number two, he had a different spirit. And let's go back, <clears throat> if you please, to Numbers chapter 14, verse 22. Point number two in our message today is what were the secrets of Caleb to conquer the mountain? Secret number one or key, key number one is he asked for it. Lord, give me the mountain. Number two, he had a different spirit. Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, and says, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. Let's hold there for a second. Because he has a different spirit. Some of us have a spirit of criticism and cynicism and unbelief that I hope we will never be present in, this, in any one of us. It is easy to criticize or blame. It was easy for the 10 spies to say it's impossible, it's difficult, it's not doable. Caleb could have found many reasons to criticize, but he saw things differently. He saw opportunities. When he saw the land, he saw it full of giants, he saw it full of uh, challenges, but he saw it also full of, uh, of opportunities. He didn't see a problem. So in the churches, I have found that the church is divided into mainly two groups. The church that see, oh, I'm sorry, the individual that see problems, no can do, or the individuals that see those challenges as what? Opportunities. We can do it. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, it's difficult. But by the grace of God, we can do it. And I want to, I hope that you are in the second group. I hope that each one of us is in the second group that is always saying, listen, it's tough. Oh, yeah, we may not have enough money or we, it may be a challenge. But we see that as an opportunity. Caleb had a different positive spirit. A spirit of courage based on faith. Do you have that attitude? So number one, remember, keys for Caleb to conquer the mountain. Number one, he asked for it. He asked for the mountain. Number two, he had a different kind of what? A spirit. Very good. You're following. Different kind of spirit. And let's go to number three. Oh, I love it. Second part of Numbers 14.24. The first part we said, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. And what? Follows me how? Wholeheartedly. With all of my heart. The Lord says he follows me with all of his heart. Now, 
if this is the only place where the Lord says, he follows me wholeheartedly, I will say, great. You know, he, the Lord says that one time, that's good enough. But six times the Lord says, Caleb follows me with all of his heart. So, 13 years ago, going on 14, I was standing at the podium of Pioneer Memorial Church, and Dwight Nelson was officiating our wedding ceremony. Can't believe it, RP, 14 years ago. And Dwight asked me, Fernando, <laughs> do you take your wife as only yours? And do you promise to be faithful to her? You remember, you know, the, the, you know, the beautiful speech. Do you promise to be faithful to Daniela in the good times and the bad times? And do you promise to wholeheartedly, do you promise to love her with all of your heart? What do you think I said? You know, if I would have said, uh, Dwight, <clears throat> uh, you're asking me to love my wife with all of my heart. I think I do. Uh, I will. But hey, I, I do promise to love her with 99% of my heart. Isn't that, say yes or no. Isn't this a high percentage, yes or no? Of course. I mean, it's really high percentage. Is, is, it, is this really high commitment, yes or no? Of course it is high commitment. Now, if I say that in the platform, do you think I would, I would be married today to, the, to that woman? <laughs> Probably not. Well, no, for sure no. Not Daniela. Daniela would have said, Fernando, 100% or what? Or nothing. You're, you're on it. You're on it. These ladies also know what they're saying. Good, good for you. 100% of your heart, of your commitment for me or nothing. And dear brothers and sisters... God does not desire less from you and for me. Why are we willing to give to a human being? Thank goodness that we're willing to give this to our spouses. But if we're willing to give this to our spouses, how comes not to God? And my question to you is the question that I ask for myself today is, how committed are you to God? Caleb was whole, wholeheartedly committed to God. How committed are you to God today? 80%? 50%, 40%, don't answer me, 99%, even 99%, if it's not good enough for my wife, is not good enough for God. Because he wants you, 100%, not half or even 99 He wants all of your heart. And Caleb gives us a tremendous example of whole heart. Just, uh, just look at this. Uh, Joshua 14.8 says, He purposed himself to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Joshua 14.9 the land will be yours because you have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Joshua 14, 14. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, Caleb ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. More than six times the Bible says, and many of these times the Lord, you have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So let me ask you, is your service to God if your service to God were to be assessed today, would it be said that you have followed the Lord with all of your heart? Do you have your full heart in what you do, in your church, your work, your ministry, your family? 
the Lord wants it all. The Lord does not want Fernando to give just half of his heart or his commitment. He wants it all. One day, uh, Hudson Taylor, the founder of the China Inland Mission, was asked by one man, Hudson, where is the, what is the hardest mission in the world? Hudson, what, and, and the other person thought he was going to say China because he was the uh, father of China missions. And then Hassan Taylor, without losing a beat, says, the hardest mission in the world is submission to God. Of course, it's a play of words. The hardest mission is submission to God because it has to do with submitting our hearts 100% to him. That's why it's hard. So Caleb, Caleb's keys to conquer the mountain. What was key number one? He asked for it. Very good. What was key number two? He had a different kind of spirit. What is key number three? He served the Lord with all of his heart. Very good. Excellent. Number four, he set his feet on the land to conquer. Joshua 14.9. Joshua 14.9 says, The land of which your feet have walked will be your inheritance forever. And Joshua 1, 3 says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Every place where your foot set, I will give you that place. So, <clears throat> you have heard that we go to Cuba every year. We go there, uh, we take uh, 20, 30 students every year, and we teach them how to do personal evangelism, door-to-door -door ministry, uh, preaching, uh, uh, especially what we do the most is door-to-door. -door. Uh, I'm a believer that uh, there's a quote from Ellen G. White from Review and Herald that says, many people would not, I'm paraphrasing here, many people will never, and she uses the word never, will never hear the gospel were not for people knocking at their doors. Now, of course, today we say, well, what are you talking about? We have satellite and we have internet and we have our, our, our TVs, you know, whole channel, they're all over the world. That's true. Still, some people will never hear the gospel unless we go through the doors. Period. And that's what we teach them. We go door to door there in Cuba and uh, uh, we teach them friendship evangelism and lifestyle evangelism and so on. And then uh, one of the things that we do is uh, we, s we divide them into groups, and they have four or five evangelistic meetings. And we ask them to go to, their, to those communities and actually go around the church and do what Caleb did, which is the promise of Joshua 1.3 is go around your community or whatever your food stands or sets, that land, I will what? I will give you. It's a promise. That's what God told Caleb. You know, you, you like Hebron, fantastic. Just keep on stepping. Every place where you step, I will give you. And then uh, <clears throat> Caleb said, great. When we come back for the land, I will, I will conquer this. I will claim this because you have promised that we, you are going to give me. So there in Cuba, we'll go around the neighborhood walking, prayer walks. And we said, Jesus, this place is for you. 
Jesus, this is the Hebron. Jesus, that's the mountain of Caleb. That's the mountain of Joshua. That's the mountain of the Anakites. That's the mountain of the giants. We know it's hard. We know that that community, some of those communities are full of uh, spiritism and so on in Cuba. And we say, Lord, we know that <laughs> it's, it's not easy here, but we are claiming this place for you. We're tapping our, our foot and we're claiming Joshua 1, 3 promise that says this place is for you. By your grace, we're claiming this place. And I'm going to challenge you. Go around Downers Grove and claim this, uh, this place for Jesus, this community for Jesus, and go to your neighborhood and say, Lord, I don't know my neighbors very well, but I'm going to start, I'm going to start claiming this place uh, for Jesus. Every, I will give you every place where you set your foot. If you step on little ground, I will give you little ground. If, I, if you step, says the Lord, paraphrasing, if you step on much land, I will give you what? Much land. By the way, uh, we know that the Israelites did not, unfortunately, did not conquer the whole land. They did not. They conquered part. And the Lord was pretty upset about this. Pretty, pretty, pretty upset. But they settled, oh, we have conquered, we're peaceful, we're okay. They did not. And the Lord wished they would have conquered the whole thing. Look what Ellen G. White says, Christ, Object Lessons 303. Many in today's church do not feel the necessity to occupy new territory and carrying the message of salvation into regions beyond. They refuse to fulfill Christ's commission. I hope that's not our case because the Lord wants us to go. The Lord calls us to occupy new territory. Every place that your foot touches, in my name, says the Lord, I will give you. <clears throat> so before I met my wife, we were just friends, and she was in Romania. She's from Romania. And we have never seen each other face to face. We have never even seen a, she has never had seen a picture of myself. And we were just friends. And then every letter was like a water to a flower. And every email was like the rays of the sun kissing that flower. So I started to fall in love with this lady, but she didn't know it. <laughs> she, I was falling in love with her, and this, she kept studying and going on. And, well, this guy from America, he rushed to me a lot. Good for him, okay? And then one day I called her, and I said, Daniela, uh, I would like to go to Romania. I wanted to tell her that I was madly in love with her. But I did not want to tell her by phone. Isn't that unromantic? Say amen if you think it's unromantic. Oh, just a few of you say amen, okay. I think it's very unromantic to say on the phone for the first time. I'm not, I'm not telling you thereafter, but for the first time to say, I'm madly in love with you. Come on, I want to say this in person. I don't know about you, but that's what I wanted to do. So I said, I want to go to Romania. And he said, Daniela, I want to go to Romania. And then she said, what? No, I'm very busy. <laughs> and I said, so much so for my love life here. It's finished. And then I let six months pass, and I said, Daniela, I want to go to Romania. And she said, what do you want to do here? And I said, well, I want to visit. I want to visit churches and so on. She said, Fernando, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I remain busy. Uh, we'll as she was studying and so on. 
And then I was very discouraged, and I said, this is not working. <clears throat> and she didn't have a clue that there was a guy, you know, there madly in love with her. And so six months passed, and I said, I, I got to go. I'm sorry. I've got to go, and I need to tell her that I love her and, and so on. And uh, I may be a fool, and when I get there, probably I cannot even ask her if she had a boyfriend. She was about to get married. I didn't know anything. Uh, probably I'll get there, and she says, I'm sorry. I'm about to get married. I didn't know. Uh, <clears throat> by the way, at that time, I was pastor in Battle Creek with your dear family, brother, Metcalf. And uh, uh, so I called the third time, and I didn't say if I could go to Romania. I said, Daniela, uh, I'm going to Europe. I'm on vacations. I will be going to Europe just to let you know. Uh, but before I had made that call, I, I told the Lord, Lord, um, this is becoming too difficult uh, this is like a mountain. You know, it's, it's today if we see the Anakites, uh, Hebron. This is too big of a mountain for me to claim and to, and to conquer. Would you conquer this for me? In the spirit of Caleb, can you please do this for me? And I almost could hear God. I didn't hear him, but I almost could hear God saying, Finally, Fernando, finally, you allow me to help you because you cannot do it on your own. Finally. Now, that's, that's where I wanted you to be. And by the time that I called, the Lord has, had softened her very hard heart. <laughs> her heart towards me, not towards the Lord, but her, her heart towards the Lord was soft. That's why she heard him. And uh, when I called the third time, I said, Daniela, I'm going to Europe. Um, and she says, and are you coming to Romania? And I said, oh, that's better than the previous message that she says, I'm too busy. And I said, well, I guess I could. And, and everything worked well, so... So uh, um, I went to Romania, and then I said, listen, I, I need to claim this lady for me before another guy comes or something, uh, before something else comes. And in a way, I use Joshua 1-3 uh, principle. So she, she invited me to her home to eat the first Sabbath, and that I was there. And so here we are. <clears throat> Small table. I'm sitting here, her father on my right. And she was right across from me, and her mother was right bus beside her. And then her father elbows me, Fernando, so why did you come here? <laughs> and I say, well, what do I say? Why? <laughs> he doesn't want to know that I came here for his daughter. Uh, and I said, well, you know, I wanted to meet some more friends and see Romania, beautiful country. Hey, pass me the bread, please. I wanted to change the conversation. So I said, listen, I said to myself, I, I need to do something. I need to claim this lady for the Lord because um, uh, uh, I like her. And she didn't even know anything about. So I said, I'm going to do what, what Caleb did. So I took off my shoe and I said, I'm going to put my foot on top of her, on, on top of hers. Uh, but, but after I said this, this is crazy. Because if I do it, I mean, this is very unorthodox. This is not even Adventist. Have you ever heard an Adventist doing this? This is so just Romania. They're as conservative as it can be. She may, if I do that, I said, she may stand up and say, you're crazy. What are you doing? You're touching my feet. And then uh, the whole thing is ruined. She says, no, I cannot do that. I, I, ju I just cannot do that. But what if? But what if I do it? 
and then I claim her as my territory because Joshua 1.3 says that every place that your foot steps on, that will be yours. And I want her to be mine. Uh, so I was there. I was there. So I, I, I continued taking the, 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 the shoe. And then I extended my leg. And I was about, I was about to set my foot when I realized that I was about to set my foot on her mother. <laughs> that would have been a disaster. <laughs> that would have been a disaster. That would have been, you get out of here now, okay? You get out of here now. I thought, you know, me? My daughter, what is going on here? So I corrected my course. I corrected my course. And uh, I said, should I do this? Should I not do this? And I finally, I said, I'm going to do this. I I I'm going to do this. And then I, I finally said, I said, she's going to scream. I bet you she's going to scream. She has never experienced this in her life before, but I'm going to take the risk. And then I set my foot on hers, and she did not scream. She gave me this look almost like saying, what's going on? And I gave her another look as if saying, you just don't know what you're, what's going on from this point on. You are mine, and you didn't know it. If I claim that. And you know what? It worked. We have been married almost for 14 years now. And the Lord has blessed us with three children. But folks, what I want to say is every place where the sole of your feet touches it shall be yours. Obviously, I'm talking mostly spiritual-wise. You want your home? Do you have problems at home? Do you have challenges at home? Or you want your home to be uh, uh, more of a place that you, uh, you want some changes in your home? You should go around your home once again and say, Lord, this home is yours. Every place that my soul uh, 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 touches or steps on is your place. I will give you. So, Lord, this house, my house is yours. Your work. You want to do something at, uh, at work. You have problems at work. Or you want to claim that place for Jesus and you want to, them to know about the Lord. Just go around your lunch break uh, in silence. Because they, they, may, they may think you, you know, they may not know what you're saying. But in silence, say, Lord, I'm claiming this place for you. Every place where your sole of your feet touches, it shall be yours. That was the promise for Caleb, and it's the promise for you too. So, in conclusion, as I wind down, what was Caleb's key to conquer the mountain? Number one, he asked for it. Number two, he had a different kind of spirit. Number three, he served the Lord with all of his heart. And number four, he set his feet on the land that he wanted to conquer. So once in every generation, there's a unique opportunity to be involved in something that is going to make a difference. To do something bold for the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that that moment is here for you and for me. The danger is unless we do something radical in the power of the Spirit, we will lose this entire generation as we did once in the desert. And almost we almost lost the younger generation back then were not for Joshua and Caleb. 
God is looking for individuals with boldness, vision, and faithfulness that will see an opportunity for the Lord and act upon it and do something extraordinary for him. For each one of us here, for each one of us here, there is a land of Hebron. For each one of, uh, of us here, there is a mountain. For each one of us here, there is a giant or a number of giants that God has set before us. And his desire is that we stand up and declare, I want that mountain. And I almost forgot to mention to you why I believe as I read the Bible and the spirit of prophecy and so on, why Caleb insisted in the land of the Anakites, which was the hardest land, which had three things, remember? It had church of Aaron, it had a fortified city, and it had what else? Giants, three things. Why, why, why? And here's the answer. Here's the answer. As we put all the things together, because Joshua wanted to see God fighting uh, firsthand day by day with him. Just, just, just uh, uh, imagine yourself. If Joshua goes to the Jordan River in a nice tent, no war, no nothing, he's going to have a happy retirement. That's fine. But where will he see God in action more? By the Jordan River in a tent or fighting the Anakites? In the Jordan River or with the Anakites? Where will he see God in action more? First or second option? Second option. He wanted, even though he was 85 years old, he wanted to see God in action. He says, oh, come on. I have, been able, I have been able to see God in action for 85 years. I don't want to stop seeing action. He was, he was ready for more action. So if you want to see, if you want to sit, or if you want to see God in the front lines of action, you go and ask, Lord, Lord, give me, give me something challenging. Give me something for you. Give me something to do for you for each one of us there is a land of hebron that god has said before us and his desire is that we stand up and declare i want that mountain god has a mountain he wants you to claim a goal he wants you to reach a purpose he wants you to fulfill you can reach that goal and claim that mountain but he's by his grace and power so if you would like to claim the mountain in Jesus' name, please say with me, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. Excellent. So I will ask, I will say, today, Downers Grove, what do you want from God? And if you please, if you feel that this is something you want to answer, then you can answer, give me that mountain. Give me that mountain. I'm going to ask, what do you want from God? Okay, church, what do you want from God? Good, I didn't hear everybody. I, 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 I'm going to ask again. What do you want from God today? Amen. Me too. Give me that mountain. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, today we have heard a little bit about the story of Caleb. And how this individual did not fear any foe. He was not afraid of going to war or going to face giants or going to face challenges. Because he knew he was going 
to be fighting with a general that had never lost a fight. So today, as we go to our different activities, and as we think on which mountains to conquer, we know that you're going to come with us, and you have never lost a fight. So help us to experience your wonders and, and, and everything you're willing to do for us if we enter into that good fight of faith. So, Lord, uh, bless this church. Bless the leadership. Bless every child, every youth, every young adult, every adult, so that you, you can impress upon their minds what should they do to go, go by Hebron, go to that mountain, go to that challenge, and conquer it on your name, by your grace, by your power. May your spirit rest upon us, each one of us. May we learn to how serve you wholeheartedly, to have a different spirit, to claim for that mountain in your name. For we ask this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ.